Blog Talk Radio. Chatting the Sherry is presented by the writers and illustrators of the future. They have been providing a means for new and budding writers to have a chance for the creative efforts to be seen and acknowledged. Welcome to Chatting with Sherry. I'm really excited. Today we're welcoming back a photographer friend of mine, Ian uh, Citron, and it's a really good show, and we better get right to it. Here's Ian. Hi, welcome to the show. Well, hi. How are you? I'm really happy to have you back. We haven't had a chat for a while. Thank you. I, I really enjoy doing this. It's a lot of fun, and and you are really great. I enjoy it immensely. Oh, that's really sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I needed a nice little pat on the back today. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no gratuity expected. Okay. All right. How about air kisses? Is that acceptable from a great distance? There we go. For the people yeah. who haven't... Um, heard you before. Why don't you introduce yourself, give a little information about, because you have such a varied background, who you are. <laughs> Thank you. You do. It's well, really um, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're very kind. Well, my name is Ian Citron, uh, and I'm primarily known as being a photographer. I uh, have been for a number of decades now. Uh, I've done other things in my life. Uh, this was uh, a, a, a career after another career, although I've been photographing since uh, back when I was nine years old, uh, so it has carried forward. Uh, I've been primarily known as a photographer in the bodybuilding and fitness business. Uh, and indeed, if you ever picked up a bodybuilding magazine, a fitness magazine, or went online to one of the many websites that exist, such as bodybuilding.com or so forth, or supplement companies, you've, you've seen my photos. Um, I've been published maybe hundreds of thousands of times and uh, just uh, just done a lot. It was very well known in that industry. I've also since added on uh, the last number of years uh, as the photographer for the uh, Palm Springs Air Museum. So uh, I've been photographing and get to fly in lots of World War II type airplanes. And that's been a great joy and that's something I still do today. Pretty much pretty much get to fly weekly. Uh, so that's a, that's a lot of fun. I get to fly in like P-51 Mustangs, C-47 uh, uh, cargo planes, paratrooper planes that drop people, that uh, drop paratroopers on D-Day. Uh, even a T-33 uh, jet, so I've been pretty lucky in that regard. Uh, along the way, I've also done some fashion work and published <coughs> around the globe in, in magazines, Rome, New York, and so forth. And uh, I always say I, I reserve the right to photograph anything that I find fun and interesting. Yeah. So that's me in a nutshell, essentially. That's cool. I envy you being able to go up on those planes. That is the coolest thing. I am. Uh, it, people say I am very lucky, and they are entirely, completely correct. I cannot, I cannot even begin to express how lucky I have been to do this. I have, in the last few few years, I've flown hundreds and hundreds of times in various airplanes. Um, and still get to do it, and it's been been an enormous and ex uh, a tremendous experience. And we've done some really good stuff too with all this COVID stuff going on. So that's that's another part of the story. 
I think that's really cool, though. That you get to go up, you get, and you get to meet some of the heroes of aviation. That is really cool. I, I have indeed. I've met some incredible uh, individuals uh, from World War II. Uh, from I've met aces from uh, uh, all the way forward through Vietnam, Persian Gulf, and so forth. That's some really true uh, heroes. That's been incredible. That is really cool. Who's the most exciting person you met? Oh my gosh, I've met a lot of people. I've also sh um, been the photographer on some motion pictures, so I I've met a lot of people in my life. Um, whether it be uh, you know Arnold, who I've known known you know, we're not close, but I've known him for many years. Um, whether it be um, Lieutenant Colonel Robert Friend, a very well-known Tuskegee Airman, who just recently passed away, uh, we became kind of good friends. Um, uh, uh, I met Jenna, you know, I worked on a movie with Jenna Rollins, uh, with uh, Rita Moreno, which was like just a dream come true for me. Um, I don't know. It, 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 it's, a, it's a list that would be very extensive. I'm afraid to brag about. <laughs> We have one person in common, Jenna Rollins. I that was my oh, first oh, that's movie. Right. Yes. Thursday's yeah. Child. Yes, and tell me what you did on that again. I was well. D there were different scenes. One scene, I was a student who said no. Uh, <laughs> I got my after card for that. Uh, and yes. another scene, I was a patient in a hospital when the uh, Rob Lowe, who's the main character, was in the hospital. Uh. <laughs> who was the director? Who was the director? Oh what my was the name of the movie? God! It was a Hallmark Hall of Fame movie. I can't remember. It's years ago. I was only like seventeen, eighteen years old. <laughs> was the was was the director Arthur Saddleman? Could have been. Hmm. We'll I have to look into that. It, I really yeah. don't remember. It was my first movie ever. <laughs> and, and and what was the name of it again? Thursday's Child. Thursday's Child. I'll look it up. But uh, I was on I was uh, on a movie with Jenna in uh, Budapest. It was an American movie uh, for seven weeks, and uh, so every day we shot. She was pretty much in every scene every day. She was a hardworking woman, so we were together pretty much daily uh, for eight, ten, twelve hours a day, and uh, we had a lot of fun. She was she was really a really a great person. I really enjoyed her. And she lives right out, she's got a home right out here in Rancho Mirage near me, uh, and then also in Los Angeles, and I don't know where else, but uh, really wonderful actress, truly Hollywood royalty. She was nice to me because I was a newbie, it's my first thing, mm -hmm. and um, she was sitting outside of her dressing trailer, and I walked mm -hmm. by her because I was, I was leaving, I was going to the parking lot to meet my dad, who was picking me up, mm -hmm. and I said, it was my last day, and I said, yes. it was it was really lovely meeting you. Um, I don't know if it's allowed, but could I have your autograph? And I just had a piece of paper and a pencil. And she goes, hold on, honey, hold on. And she ran into her trailer, she got a picture, and she signed it to me. Oh, that's wonderful. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like floating on air. <laughs> So I just looked it up, and the director on that was David Lowell Rich. I didn't remember. I was like a 
an extra. So I, I was with the yes. second AD. I, I probably never even met him. <laughs> yes. And she and Jenna was nominated for a Golden Globe Award. She deserved it. it. Yeah. And and actually, so did Rob. It was I think it was one of his first major roles, and he was really good. <coughs> and Don Murray was the dad. That I remember that. I see that. I didn't meet him, well, but what a wonderful what a wonderful experience it was. But. That's the only one who said, oh, I got her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can honestly say that I didn't, I didn't I collect autographs. I never have. But I certainly have many photos. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I really didn't expect her to do that. I thought that was really sweet of her to do that. Uh, from what I know of her, she's, she is indeed a very sweet person. She doesn't know how to say no. <laughs> well, I was I was later told on another project. Uh, I don't know. I guess I was just talking to someone about how kind Jenna was, and they said, "Well, you're not supposed to do that. That's not professional to ask them for an autograph." Oh, you know, I was told originally um, uh, uh, to uh, Rita Moreno was going to be coming on set, and uh, I was told to, you know. Be sure, don't take any photos of her that, you know, not in makeup, or, you know, she wasn't ready, or, just, you know, don't don't bother her too much or anything. And um, the first day she came on set, um, it was at lunchtime, and she walked through the uh, studio cafe, which was filled with a couple hundred people, and she went out back and looked at her trailer, and she came back in, and um, there was, like, only one seat available, and it was at our table. And so she came walking on over and sat down. She goes, can I sit here? And so everybody goes, yeah, of course. And she turned out to be the friendliest, most talkative person you could imagine. She talked solid for like 45 minutes. We had the best time. And um, I, I said, and, and then I teasingly, I said, hey, I've been told not to take any pictures of you that are bad or when you weren't ready or not in makeup. She said something like, at my age, you can take all the bad photos of me you want. <laughs> I That's exactly how I imagined her to be, because um, just from her interviews and stuff, that's the that's what my image of her is like. It's this really yes. sweet, down-to-earth, very friendly yeah. lady. Yeah, she's one of the reasons I wanted to shoot on that motion picture, that and Jenna. That is really cool. I love that. Yes, it was. Yes, oh, it was. You're the lucky dude. <laughs> yes, I, see, same thing. Yes, I totally agree. I've been very lucky. <laughs> Plus, I love Budapest. It was great. Oh yeah, yeah. I I just I I think that um, people from her Jenna and and Rita's generation, they realize it's a collaborative thing and they work with everybody and they're really cool about that kind of stuff i don't think well, they're they... also they're also con consummate professionals yeah um exactly. and i don't i can't i you know i've worked with um, people younger younger actors um and they're also very professional but you know i think there's a different a, a, dif a different learning of professional that exists and they certainly were um way at the top of the game but that's of course you know perhaps what made them so special and so uh, so long lasting yeah that's true mm -hmm. I think um, 
And and also Rita went from a dancer to an actor, so she was part of the chorus, so she understands about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I, I do, I've never met her, but I imagine Shirley MacLaine is a lot like that, too. Because yeah, of awesome. her, her background as a dancer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. But uh, uh, that was fun. I, I'm sorry I haven't gotten to travel quite as extensively ever since. Uh, photography's always been the, uh, the, the excuse, the mode, the cause of me going on all of my adventures. It's like, I'm the photographer, I get to go there. So it's, it's, all, it's been a big part of what I do. What is the most unusual place that, I guess it I probably would be one of the airplanes, but what was the most unusual place you took pictures from, or of? Of or had or anything? Yeah. You know, um, yeah, certainly shooting from from some of these airplanes is uh, is not uh, is not uh, something people do all the time. From shooting from the backseat of a P fifty one Mustang or a T thirty three shooting star jet, so that's pretty unusual uh, all by itself. Um, so yeah, that uh, Salton Sea is a pretty eerie, unusual place to photograph and to do photographs. Um, there are places around the salt sea that's very post-apocalyptic, um, as it's often called, and it uh, certainly um, certainly deserves that description. Uh, it's another world sometimes when you're there, especially when you don't see another person for hours, uh, and you just have the eeriness of all of it. So the salt sea's got an own characteristic its own characteristic that I find very fascinating and uh, very Why is unusual. it like that? Why is it like that? Why is it so strange? Uh, well, well, it's 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 um, from its heyday when it was like the largest tourist attraction in the country, even exceeding Disneyland. Uh, it has fallen uh, to a state of um, uh, extreme neglect. Through environmental issues uh, and economy, uh, so this is, it, it, it's a, a consequence of all of it that uh, that's created this uh, this anomaly that uh, of unusual places that uh, really there may not be any recovery from for a very long time. Although there is some going on in some places around the Salt Sea because there's now geothermal plants, there's some efforts at revitalizing some of the sea, um, and um, um, some other things that have come into play. So uh, so it'll be long-term to come around to make it a viable entity again around the Salton Sea. It's a big place. It's 15, 15 miles by 25 miles, something like that. So there's a lot, a lot of communities and a lot of places around it. But... Um, it's got its own history that dates back to the early 1900s that have uh, caused its rise and fall. That's really interesting. As you, you get to see different aspects of life. It's like, when you, you know how when you're riding on a plane, you kind of are over everything, but when you're riding in a train, you see the backyards of, and the most undesirable parts of town? Do, yeah. do you get to see both sides? I, I kind of go out of my way to do that. Um, one of the, pro, you know, um, because of COVID, um, 
I've had to rethink a lot of what my plans were. And something I had been doing for years was excuse me, going on uh, photo excursions. Uh, and it was uh, pri- uh, primarily by car, uh, all by car, actually. Uh, I don't know how long I've been doing it, five, six, seven years. Um, and I used to just uh, go out and go off looking for uh, unusual places to do my uh, other shoots, my, my editorial shoots, my fashion shoots, and so forth. So I kind of put it under the, uh, under the heading of location scouting. Um, but it gave me an excuse to go and find unusual places. Then a buddy of mine uh, asked one day if he could go along. He had never been to the Salt Sea, and I was planning on going down there. And he came along, and he found it, and we had a lot of fun. And then uh, uh, another buddy of ours joined us on subsequent trips, and then a fourth buddy. And so we became somewhat of a traveling group, sometimes two of us, sometimes three, sometimes four, going on these Route 66 excursions or just places that were unusual, pinpoints on the map, uh, looking for rundown buildings, decrepit locations, places that once used to be, and so forth, primarily around Southern California, although we did do um, uh, Death Valley and places into, into uh, Arizona. Um, and that became um, uh, something I, I did very early. Uh, so with COVID, um, oh, and actually backing up a little bit, um, I was primarily doing photographs. My first buddy uh, would take photographs, but then he would do paintings. And he's become very well known. He's in, in galleries um, in, in a few different Western states now with his paintings of what we went out and saw and he photographed and then subsequently painted. Another buddy of mine uh, who went on the trips is now living in Mexico. Um, he, uh, he, as a photographer, he is now displayed in various galleries and showings and so forth have been successful. So it's, it's, uh, it was kind of a, a growth industry for, for us guys. And then Art Patron Magazine, uh, which is a big uh, art magazine here in Southern California, um, came on the story about us and uh, wrote a feature last year that uh, got a lot of attention. So that was kind of cool. So since COVID, um, I've now progressed or my thought process has gone back to doing more photo excursions, even if they're by myself or with just a buddy um, or just a selected other person so we can be safe and be out outdoors shooting photographs and finding more unusual places to go to. I think that's really cool. I think it's exciting, too, because it's like you never know what you're going to see next. You never know what your next adventure is going to be if you do it that True. way. True. And, and COVID caused, uh, you know, as as it has for many, many, many people, uh, many people are, are kind of stuck, and I, I can fully relate to that. You know, what do I do now? Because uh, I don't think anything is going to be as it once was for or if it is, it's going to be in a, a long time from now. So it is, what do you do now? And a lot of people have tried to find a way to do what they were doing in a different way. Others have found new avenues entirely. So the photo excursions, I think, is my, my piece of both at this point. Um, uh, because I, shooting, 
shooting models with uh, you know on a set or in the studio or in location with the, with staff and assistants and lighting and everything is pretty impractical right now. Um, you know, shooting in a gym, all the bodybuilding and fitness people I would shoot in a gym, that's again pretty impractical right now. So uh, it's a matter of looking for for things to do that still fit who I am. Yeah. And those photo excursions were part of it. Um, you were talking to me um, before we started interviewing, and one of the things you were yes. mentioning was um, your Yiddish theater. Uh, what was yes. that about? Because it's really interesting. My uh, my grandmother did costumes for the Yiddish theater, so I'm very curious. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, um, that was a concept, uh, an idea that came uh, started probably well over a year ago. Uh, in thinking about it, um, I too had a relative uh, in the Yiddish theater, uh, Isidore and Jenny Kasher, um, and they were they would have been. mother um, so, um, so so they uh, um, uh, um, Isidore and Jenny Kasher came into the Yiddish theater in the early 1900s uh, with Marie Schwartz and Korea and were the uh, among the big the big people who moved forward in the Yiddish theater and created what was the phenomenon that it was uh, the Yiddish theater uh, actually had its roots in Romania and Poland before that. Yep. Uh, but but all as all these people came forward, came to New York, uh, they settled on the Lower East Side and uh, built the the Yiddish Theater District, which was along Second Avenue. Um, and I believe at some point there were 14 or more theaters there. And as early as I think it's 1908. Uh, with a population in the area of like 564,000 Jews from Eastern Europe and so forth, um, there were something like 2 million tickets sold that year mm -hmm. for the Yiddish theaters along 2nd Avenue. By the time the 1920s came around, there was something like 1.6 million Jews living in that area. It was uh, described as being more concentrated, more population concentrated at the time than Calcutta. Uh, and the Yiddish theater was a, was a booming entity, providing entertainment of all kinds to, to, the, to the locals, uh, ranging from opera to vaudeville to uh, Shakespeare uh, and, and so forth. Uh, so I, I have this roots in family going back that far and became aware that uh, there is in storage uh, scrapbooks and so forth that uh, Jenny Casher kept that, uh, uh, was that it was going to come into my possession. And so um, one day I thought to myself, my gosh, this is, could be very interesting. I thought I would explore it and try to create a project around it. Um, so that was, that was in a thought process for a while and I started acting on it just before COVID. Um, so I guess in February, March, um, and I had already been planning on going back to New York and finding people and interviewing them and shooting portrait photos, shooting photos of locations and, and just moving forward on that. Did not necessarily have a specific direction at the moment, but it was, uh, it was something I was developing and still kind of doing research now uh, regarding it. 
Yeah, my grandmother uh, was from Romania. My mom's whole side of the family is from Romania. Okay. Um, and she was um, a great seamstress. One of the, my uh -huh. my grandfather sent both my grandma and my aunt Teresa, my grand my grandfather, my great grandfather, sent my grandma yeah. and aunt Teresa to the states because they were both they they there was factories for girls to make clothes and he knew that they were both really quick and they could stay with relatives and make money for the family. To he was making money in Romania and he sent the girls to make it in the U.S. So. They'd also have a more easy entry for the rest of the family, and yeah. So Grandma was really uh, fast. She's right until the end. She was always fast. And um, I do you know who Molly Pecan was? She was uh, not only in the theater. She had her own company. Yes. And she hired Grandma to do all her costumes. Oh wow. Well, it's, it's very likely then that uh, your your grandmother may have been on the same productions that my 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 family had been on. Uh, matter of fact, the likelihood is very high. Oh yeah, isn't that interesting? It is interesting. And uh, when you were talking about that, I was like, oh, huh. Her name was Maria Weintraub. I have to write that down. Although um, she changed it to Mary when she came to the U.S. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I was, I was, you know, as I looked into the pro the project, I realized, and again, uh, our younger generations of today are not even remotely going to relate to this, but there are some, there are areas and people that certainly will. Um, but uh, you know, um, uh, you know, Stella Adler, the, the mm -hmm. daughter of Jacob Adler, who was a a king of the Jewish theater at that time, uh, Stella Adler, his daughter, was in the Yiddish theater and went on to create the Stella Adler Acting School. Uh, was uh, was uh, her probably most famous student was Marlon Brando, mm -hmm. and, and who idolized her and you know accounted for his career because of her. You know, so if you look forward to that or try to project that forward, you know. But for that and Marlon Brando's association with the Yiddish Theater, and he did do some plays also, there would not have been The Godfather. There would not have been The Apocalypse Now, certainly would not have become the movies they were. And as a consequence, you would not have had perhaps Al Pacino. You would not have had uh, Martin Sheen. Uh, the, the repercussions or the or the the historic creation of the Yiddish theater moving forward um, is very far-reaching, um, and you know, it, it, even again today, people would not, well, most people would not recognize the name Irving Berlin, but Irving Berlin came out of that Lower East Side um, of, during that era, and of course, create, created. You know, every you know, he created Americana, shows. really. I mean, he was <laughs> yeah, he, the American so, yes, songbook. <laughs> exactly. He, yes, he became America. Uh, little does most of America realize it came from this short Jew named Irving Berlin, yep. and that was his his Americanized name. I don't I don't remember what his real name was at the time. And also, uh, um, uh, did you know that Stella Adler was in a Thin Man movie? No, I didn't. Did you ever see a movie called Shadow of the Thin Man? 
No, I don't think so. Why? I take it back. I probably have. I just don't recall. She was the um, high society lady who was actually uh, ex-con. Oh. <laughs> well, I'll have to look for that. But I had to see it because I wanted to see the great... I actually had taken classes. I mean, she had passed by then. But I had actually uh, taken classes through her thing, and when I saw it, I was like, oh, I got to see her act. <laughs> yes. Well, I thought it would be, you know, I, back before COVID, you know, I, had, I was already making plans to go to Romania, to go to Bucharest. Uh, I was already looking up airfares and hotels. I mean, that's how far I was moving. Um, you know, I was already plotting places in New York to go to along Second Avenue and people to go see. You know, I was planning on shooting portraits and interviewing people, maybe doing some short video segments. Um, and um, uh, just seeing where it would take me. I mean, most of the locations are gone. Yeah. Uh, but I thought it would be interesting to find historical photos and transpose them or, or uh, put them in side by side with what the location is today, even though I know some of it is a parking lot. I know some of it is a you know, new modern apartment building and so forth. I thought it would be kind of an interesting thing to see. You know, it's kind of like, I was in I was in New Jersey once staying at a hotel um, at an offbeat town. I don't remember which one it was, and um, the the hotel, you know, modern hotel and everything, you know, freeway off ramp, all that type of stuff. Um, modern business hotel with a sports bar. Um, you know, its claim to fame, however, was the fact that uh, George Washington, you know, had camped there with the army uh, during the uh, Revolutionary War. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of interesting to be on that ground and realize that but for the distance of time, I was kind of there with George Washington. You're like the time machine. You're George. Like the, yes, it's right. yes, just like the time machine. Very true. That's exactly what it is. You know, and there's a theory now in science that uh, I've read about in the last few months that says, all timelines are actually running together. Yeah, I've heard that too. Uh, actually, yes, I heard that so before. That 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 there's simultaneous uh, time air time periods all yes. like line. I, I, what's it, I think isn't it called like string theory or something? Like, well, I, there is a string theory, but I don't I don't know if that's what it is. But yes, indeed. I mean, essentially, just in another dimension. Yeah. There is a time. There's a timeline of um, of where we are right now, you know, a thousand years ago. Did you ever see a Twilight Zone called Little Girl Lost? I've seen all of the Twilight Zones. I don't remember that specific title, but I've seen all of them many times, yes. It fascinated me. It was about a little girl, she was in her room, and she somehow went through a, a, a hole in the wall of her bedroom which was going to another time and their neighbor who was a scientist came in and 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 explained exactly about side by side this was back in the 50s side by side time zones and he grabbed her and he had to go through this weird thing and all he could hear was her voice and he found her and the father and mother pulled him back and they said there was just it was almost closed on them. It was like seconds before the wall had shut down on them. And that one always fascinated me to think that you could put your hands through a wall and go through another time. 
Well, that was my that was pretty much my thought process about some of these locations where the Yiddish theater was, and the streets and so forth would again be to find those historic photos, and they do exist, uh, and and and. and transpose them with um, uh, display them together with current photos uh, and even even with uh, you know relatives it could be great grandchildren of some of the famous stars you know Michael Tilson Thomas was uh, uh, the son of um, uh, Tomaszewski I think our great grand, uh, grandson Tomaszewski um, would be to photograph people and transpose them with their, you know, with the older, uh, older photos of um, uh, their their family. Uh, I look at photos of Isidore Kasher, and I see me in in his face. Wow. Um, so I think that's somewhat interesting. And he passed away in 1948, uh, two years before I was born. Wow. So um, so, so maybe there is a reincarnated him. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. I'm no actor. Uh, <laughs> trust me on that. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, so I, I was thinking that would be also an interesting thing to do. Plus to you know interview these people uh, and maybe do these like I said short video clips of uh, their recollections and their their thoughts process. Um, and the the National Yiddish Theater Folks Mine in New York is is doing well. Um, it's the oldest uh, Yiddish theater in the world. They've been continuing production since I think 1915. Wow! Um, and uh, they're very successful. And they recently did uh, a uh, production of Fiddler on the Roof, all in Yiddish, and I believe it was directed by Joel Gray. Wow! So, and that was and that was very very successful. That is really so, cool. So there's a lot of history there. It's a lot interesting. I, it's obviously not going to be mass appeal, uh, but I think there's a, an appeal to an audience, and uh, it's interesting that, uh, at least in New York especially, uh, there's a big upsurge in Yiddish learning classes. So the younger generation in that segment of society is more interested in learning Yiddish, more interested in learning their Yiddish and Jewish has passed, so uh, so I think there's value there. That's so funny because uh, I, I, yes, I, think, I I was just going to yeah. say I um I talk yet I I do speak some Yiddish because my my parents my grandparents spoke it mm. sort of learned it in, in to protect yourself because um, <laughs> they talked yes, about I you and well, of course. I talk to my cast sometimes with Yiddish phrases all the time, it, and, there, and uh, some of those people are from Ka uh, Kansas, so now they're all over Kansas saying uh, different things. <laughs> that's funny. Well, my my mother, when she first went to uh, grammar school, kindergarten, uh, did not speak English. She only spoke Yiddish. So. Um, yeah, so that that goes uh, obviously far back, but I don't. Uh, I, although I grew up around Yiddish, I don't speak it. Yeah, it's just it's just something. Uh, well, my mom spoke. Well, she didn't speak Romanian, but she understood mm -hmm. Romanian. Yes, I also think there's an interesting photographic ar architectural component to all of this because uh, those theaters in New York, you know, they were they were. Theater palaces. They seated a thousand people, fifteen hundred people. 
you know, the, the old world architecture in, in Romania and Bucharest must have been incredible as well. So I think there's a, an architectural ph photographic interest there uh, that could be a lot of fun too, something else I look for. And again, this is another circumstance of where I found a way of having photography taking me on another adventure. Yeah, that's true. Now, I have a, a question that popped into my head. I don't know yeah. if it's there or if it... My father was uh, born and raised... Well, he was born in New York, but raised in Brooklyn. And he said, and nobody can remember it, that there was a Yiddish theater on Delancey Street. In your research, did you find one? I want to say the answer is yes. Um, and I can't remember what it was. I'll... I, I, I have some distinct recollection that I have indeed seen that. Um, I, I have a book here that I'll have to go through that uh, is the one I think I saw something about that. Okay. So I'll, I'll get back to you, but yeah, the answer is yes. Because my grandparents didn't remember it, and um, he, he, didn't, he wasn't talking to his family, so there was no way to verify it. Because by the, then uh, it was, you know, Brooklyn's not like Brooklyn anymore. It's, it's from his childhood. Well, the, the, the Yiddish theater did expand out. It moved, uh, uh, and and fully forty six percent of the in the twenties of the uh, two two and a half million Jews in New York lived in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. um, and the Yiddish theater did expand out. And uh, it moved uptown. You ended up with Yiddish Theater on Broadway. Um, so uh, the likelihood that, of course, it was in Brooklyn and other places is very high. You know, and of course, it was also in Philadelphia. <laughs> so it was very expensive. But I, I do have some recollection of, uh, of, it, of a theater on Delancey Street. Okay. I, well, he's gone now, but I, I just wanted, for my own yeah. sake, I wanted to find out if it was true because I'm really interested in that kind of thing. Yes. Um, so, how are you dealing with everything that's been going on? I mean, this obviously stopped you from doing what you planned on doing. So, what are you doing in the meantime for this well, year? I've done, <laughs> well, I've done one photo excursion, uh, so that's fun. Uh, just myself and one other guy who we've both been keeping to our, our media family, so we we both know where we've been and so forth, so we, we spend a day. Um, I was lucky enough with the Air Museum, uh, I think we stopped flying because of COVID on March 14th. But I think going into May, I want to say this, or late April, uh, we did what other places around the country did, is we started doing flyovers for the first responders on Saturdays. Um, so we would uh, put together a flight of, of three or four of our airplanes and go fly over uh, specific locations, typically 15, 16, over the course of, uh, uh, I think we started out at like noon or so, and uh, flew over hospitals, city halls, fire stations, police stations, veterans groups and so forth. So we did that every Saturday. So that gave me an outlet because I went on all those. And then um, on Memorial Day, we did a huge flyover that was in the press across the country with uh, a couple of other groups. And we had a flyover of, I don't remember how much it was, 25 aircraft that flew from here. Uh, I'm in Palm Springs. Uh, 
Los Angeles and back around again covering uh, first responder type locations. We flew over hospitals all, all up the coast. We flew, you know, up, you know, over UCLA Medical Center, you know, east to USC uh, Medical Center and over Loma Linda and out to the high desert. And that got a huge amount of press coverage because it was all these World War II aircraft doing this, this big flyover. So I did that and then I've gotten to fly on on the other flights uh, through June, July, and and now going into August. So that's take. So that's been a real great outlet. That's been really good. <clears throat> Aside from that, I've probably been much like other people, spending more time online. There's <laughs> so a lot of resources now online that never used to be that I've really been taking advantage of. Uh, the camera companies have really stepped forward, like a has put on some incredible programs pretty much once or twice a week. <laughs> Same with Hasselblad. Um, and those are like among my favorite ca camera brands, camera companies, they're very historic. Um, and other organizations have, have also stepped forward. So I, I, you know, I might have six or seven or eight of those on calendar every day, but I can't do all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's just like I, I've been enjoying watching a lot of theater online, but I can't watch all of them because then I never get anything done. <laughs> yes. You know, and then I did the same thing everybody else did. You know, it's, it's, you know, I cleaned out my office for the first time in 15 years. You know, the, all those things that we probably all did when this all started to happen. So, uh, but that, you know, that took a couple of weeks. So that, that was good. That was good. I found things I forgot I had. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And reading and writing and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, writers writers are still writing. Uh, so for them, it didn't change. Uh, people who had jobs they went to, those are the people I feel most for. You know, uh, us who are entrepreneurs are, you know, a little bit more, you know, uh, situated differently than, than a person that had a job. And I... I, I find it very difficult to understand how people are weathering that. That's really sad. Uh, but I think it's a matter of you you have to really consider different directions. And um, it's not easy. I mean, I'm, and again, I'm not necessarily saying that I have found my way. Um, I've certainly reinvented myself a number of times in my life. Uh, and I'm uh, just kind of doing so again. I had the one reinvention that got put behind a little bit, the Yiddish theater, but now I'm going to go lean into more of the uh, photo excursions and shooting things that interest me in that regard. Um, so, and seeing where that leads. So, uh, and again, I have a little bit more of an advantage, advantage until I've been an entre entrepreneur for so many years. I kind of put these things together, you know, and, uh, and make it work. So, kind of curious to see where I go myself. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be exciting, whatever it is, because your events just seem to always be exciting. <laughs> you're, very, you're very kind. Hopefully, I'll continue to be very lucky. I hope so. Um, we're coming to the end. Could Thank you, you. Could you give your um, website and any social media that you have? Well, yes. Um, if you go, if you use my name, Ian, I-A-N, middle initial L, Citron, S-I-T-R-E-N, you can go to IanLCitron.com and go to my website. 
Um, and then if you just use my name on Facebook or uh, 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 Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn, you will find me. I've been very extensively out there for a couple of decades. Um, so <laughs> very easy to find. And if you go to inlcitron.com, um, you can also get my blog off of that also. You'll find a link for it on the upper right-hand corner. Uh, and you'll find everything from aviation to fashion. Uh, you'll find some pretty edgy stuff there sometimes because I do, I have shot a lot of uh, nude work, more like uh, Helmut Newton uh, type work uh, in the past, which I find very, very fun, very editorial. Uh, or it was, it was, um, it's still very somewhat fashion oriented. <laughs> and then uh, aircraft, lots of aircraft stuff. Did I say that? Never mind. <laughs> lots of bodybuild, lots of bodybuilding and fitness too. So I try to keep try to keep up and try to put stuff up there and try to trying lately also to put more stuff about uh, my other interests in the Yiddish theater and so forth uh, up on all my social media and uh, blog. Great. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it greatly. Great fun. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for chatting with Sherry. Uh-huh.